0: facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Wednesday on The Kale Clark Show. It is the 29th of March, 2023. And you can talk to me by calling 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. Cale at RelevantRadio.com. Got a great listener email question. Actually, I'm going to share with you in just a moment. You can send yours in as well. C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Later in the show, we're going to tell you about 10 ways that you can be happier starting today. You can start right now. It's very actionable advice. We're going to get to that. But first, let's go to the mailbag. And again, you can email me too. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And I did get a great little listener question here from Margaret in Tucson, Arizona, who's listening on 104.9 FM. And she asks this question. Hi, Kale. Was Mary ever tempted by the devil? That is a very, very good question. And I, I would have to say she probably was because, after all, her divine son was tempted. So... It stands to reason that Mary also was, too. Even though, even though she was conceived without original sin, she didn't have concupiscence, uh, which we have to deal with after baptism. And and this is the, this is sort of the tendency towards sin. This is, the fact that we're still kind of drawn to it even after original sin is washed away in baptism. She didn't have to deal with that, but I believe that she was probably tempted as well. And I think it. Pro- I would say that when did this happen? I mean, I really don't know for sure, but I would I would garner a guess here. I would say there are probably two moments in her life where she might have been tempted. And that's in particular. And that would be, of course, at the Annunciation. I'll we'll get into that in just a second. And also at the foot of the cross. Next week is Holy Week. Uh, Good Friday is coming up soon at the foot of the cross. I'm sure that the enemy tried to tempt her. Uh, with despair Uh, holy saturday the church holds that she knew that her son was going to rise again and this isn't talked about in scripture but there's no mention of her uh, doubting at all Uh, no no mention of uh, jesus having to do with her uh, what he had to do with peter because peter was he was a mess after his betrayal and and he obviously had repented unlike Judas, who essentially repented unto himself, he didn't repent unto God. He was sorry that he did it, but only at a human level, uh, betraying the Lord. But Peter was truly repentant, and I love how it says in the in the Gospel of Mark, "Go tell his disciples and Peter uh, that he will uh, see him." Peter specifically needed that that special uh, resurrection appearance. And by the way, one thing, and thank you very much, Patrick Alog, who's uh, taking our calls for us tonight. Uh, Patrick wanted me to tell you that our Tucson station that Margaret's writing in from 104.9 FM that's one of our newest relevant radio stations so uh we are so glad to have you guys on board in Tucson in the great state of Arizona so i I, th- I think also that one of the other times that Mary may have been tempted by the enemy uh would have been at the annunciation it's it's interesting because in Luke's gospel there are there are really two Annunciation scenes. One is the Annunciation, if you will, to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and of course there there was no miraculous conception involved there. Well, it kind of was because uh, he and his wife were very uh, far along in years. She was well past childbearing age, uh, Elizabeth, but she was able to achieve pregnancy with God's help, but that conception happened in the natural way. Not so in the case of the conception of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin. Of course, no human father involved, but this is what the angel Gabriel said when he came to Zechariah before he uh, visited Mary. This is what happened. Uh, basically, Zechariah had asked him, how do I know this is going to happen? I'm an old man. My wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Okay, that should be pretty, that should be good enough for you. I'm Gabriel, for goodness sakes. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things come to pass, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. He was a priest serving on duty in the temple. And they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he made signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she hid herself, saying, Thus the Lord has done to me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And that's, of course, a reference to the fact that uh, she had been infertile up to that point. And and, uh, unfortunately, what what would happen sometimes in the ancient world would be that uh, if you were a married couple and you hadn't been blessed with a child, People would just assume well you might you must have uh, sinned in some way God is punishing you uh, there really wasn't an understanding of, of infertility and its causes from a medical perspective but of course the, these people were righteous and uh, uh, Elizabeth had to suffer probably the reproach of friends and neighbors and you know sideways glances what have you done wrong and and she was vindicated of course but let's get now to the to annunciation the scene with Mary and I think this is one possible time. Now, I don't know for sure. I'm just kind of speculating here that the enemy may have tried to tempt her. Because when Gabriel makes the annunciation to her, uh, this is what happens. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. So, if Mary tries to tell you the Hail Mary isn't biblical, you just point them to Luke chapter 1. It's right there. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no husband? And it's an interesting question for her to ask, because the text has already told us that she's engaged to Joseph, and your, obviously, engagement, betrothal on the first century Jewish world is a lot different from engagement today in the 21st century in North America, but... Very strange question for uh, an engaged woman to ask, how am I going to have a child? He has, the angel hasn't said anything yet about a miraculous conception of the Holy Spirit. She just says, how can this be since I have no husband? And that's that's clearly probably a reference to the fact that she had taken this vow of virginity. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the son of God, and behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called Baron. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so it's kind of interesting that uh, Gabriel says the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that's exactly the same expression that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and we just finished the Exodus series on the Faith Explained program on Relevant Radio so you can check the archives there on RelevantRadio.com and on the app if you want to get caught up on that series and when uh, the tabernacle was being built which was essentially the mobile temple in the wilderness for the Israelites it says in Exodus chapter 40 verse 35 when God his presence entered the temple It says that yahweh overshadowed the tabernacle in the same way the holy spirit overshadows mary the the glory cloud if you will the same as when uh, jesus uh, peter takes peter james and john up the mount of transfiguration the cloud envelopes them uh, in this glory of of god and that's it's really the same word here it's incredible and so it's interesting that mary asks these questions um when, when the angel first appears as you might expect, she would be afraid, as anybody would be in the presence of an angel. And she's greatly troubled uh, when he says, Hail, full of grace. What does this mean? What sort of greeting is this? She's you know, turning things over in her mind. And then later on, as he explains more, how can this be since I have no husband? And a lot of people say, well, hang on here. Isn't she exhibiting doubt like Zechariah experienced doubt? No, no, she, she wasn't. Zechariah basically didn't believe it. He didn't believe the angel. Mary is not disbelieving at all. She's simply asking questions. She's asking how, the question how. How is this going to be? What's really going on here? She's, she's looking for answers from her perspective of faith. It's not the kind of doubt that Zechariah had. But it's possible, it's possible, as she was asking these questions, not that she ever gave in uh, to the doubt, but it's possible at this time that the tempter might have used this as an opportunity to try to confuse her. This is what he does. He sows confusion. He's a liar, the very father of lies, as Jesus says in the Gospel of John. This could have been one of the times that Mary was tempted. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And I, I have to do some research to see whether or not you know, church fathers talked about that as they looked at, at this passage. And, and obviously Mary gives her yes Her Fiat in Latin, it has nothing to do with a European, a small European automobile. And that kind of reminds me of of another car joke. What kind of car did the apostles drive? It's an accord, because the Acts of the Apostles said that they were all together and in one accord. All right, so kind of like a clown car where they all pile in. All right, all right, it's a bad joke. But anyways... She said her, yes, she gave her consent to her vocation, and we we have to do the same. We have to give our wholehearted assent to the vocations that God gives us, whether it's the vocation of marriage. It's obviously our basic baptismal vocation, which all Christians share, to holiness and apostolate, to become a saint and help other people to become saints. That's when you boil it all down. That's what it's all about. But we all have these calls within a call. Some of us are called to marriage, some to the religious life. Uh, some men are called to the priesthood, but whatever it might be, we've got to have this posture that Mary had, saying yes. And it's interesting too that Saint Jerome, when he translated this passage uh, from the original Greek into Latin into the Vulgate, uh, he he had it. Uh, he had her saying, you know, when she says, "Behold the hand of the Lord," "Ecce Anchilla Domini." And this word "anchilla" uh, really means more than just handmade. In the ancient world, it really meant To be a slave to be a servant to be absolutely obedient to whatever the call was of the divine master god and so this is what she does as mother of god and it's so different from from the first eve and and and, and again another another passage that i think can kind of speak to this answering this question was mary ever tempted uh asked to me by margaret listening in tucson arizona you have to look at Revelation chapter 12. It's it's interesting because in Revelation 12, there's really kind of a a mirror image of Genesis chapter 3. There is the woman, there is the dragon who seeks to attack the woman. It doesn't work. His plan doesn't work. So what does he do? The dragon, who's obviously the devil, goes to attack the offspring of the woman. That's you and me, the church. And so there's a woman, there is a serpent, there is the 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 new eve there's also the new adam because the child she gives birth to a male child who will rule the nations with a rod of iron that's a reference to psalm 2 a davidic psalm a kingship psalm very important in the early church that's jesus christ so there's there's an adam there's an eve and there's the serpent it's the mirror image of genesis chapter 3 and eve when she was first tempted in genesis she was a sinless virgin she had no original sin because the original sin hadn't happened yet but she believed the word of the evil angel. And the church father said, the new Eve, Mary, believed the word of the good angel, Gabriel. And she brought forth life, whereas the first Eve brought forth death by her choice, by her no. And so Mary says yes to God, becomes the mother of God. Eve said no to God, basically wanted to be a God unto herself. And this is the temptation of the devil. Take the fruit and you will be as gods. And so... I just think it's a a beautiful symmetry there when you look at a revelation chapter 12 as well just just a lot of stuff there so hopefully that helps to uh, to answer your question thank you for that margaret and again this is something that a lot of people are in the in the practice of doing something they do every holy week they, they watch the movie the passion of the christ by mel gibson now it's a, it's a tough movie to watch it's definitely an r-rated film I'm not necessarily recommending it. You don't need to do a bunny stretch of the imagination, but I've always found it to be very powerful. A lot of people watch it on Good Friday, and it helps them to meditate on the passion from a different perspective. But there's a scene in the movie where the devil is kind of trying to intimidate Mary. Uh, She's following her son when he's on the way of the cross, and she looks across the street, and the devil is there, and he's walking in the other direction. He's he's not following Jesus. He's walking away from God, obviously. And he's trying to intimidate her, trying to stare her down. She knows he's there, takes notice of him, but she keeps her eyes fastened on her son. She turns back and just follows him on the way. And this is what we all have to do as well. Mary is that first disciple, the first Christian. As Pope Benedict said, she's the church at the source. The first person to say yes to God's plan to redeem the world in Jesus Christ and become a part of it, she really did give of herself. She gave the word flesh. The flesh that Jesus used to redeem the world on the cross came from her. 100% of his human DNA came from her. And so you have to imitate her faith, her fiat, her yes. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We'll be right back after this short break. 888 9149 is the number to call. We'll get back. I'm going to talk to you about how to get happy. How can we achieve happiness in life? And something we can do really practical stuff that we can start today and see its effects right now. 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show, only on Relevant Radio.
1: Explaining the Catholic faith
0: and how you can live it and share it too. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. That's right. Welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149. If you want to call in, have a take on what we were talking about before the break or anything that's following afterwards, 888-914-9149. Before the break, we actually talked about whether or not Mary was tempted by the enemy. I think she probably was. If her son was tempted, we know that he was. Stands to reason that she would be as well. 888 914 You can also email the show k-l-c-a-l-e at relevantradio.com. Speaking of email, I did get an email from a priest friend of mine, Father Charles. He sent me an interesting article that I wanted to share with you. And it's from a website that I've never heard of before. It's called Nice News. Nice News. Hey, I like your news. news NiceNews.com. And it's all about 10 ways to feel happier according to science. Now, obviously, faith goes beyond science, of course. But we should be able to take some of these cues and we can put them into play almost right away. And actually, this the, the occasion of this article was the National Day of Happiness, which I, I didn't even realize happened. There's a day for everything. Uh, March the 20th, apparently, was the United Nations International Day of Happiness. And if I had realized that, I probably wouldn't have been such a curmudgeon on that day. But uh, what happiness described by the United Nations is a, quote, fundamental human goal, end of quote. Now, of course, we might say we need to go beyond happiness to being blessed. And this is what the Beatitudes are all about. There's a really corny book that came out about the Beatitudes years ago called the Be Happy Attitudes. But it it goes beyond happiness. You can be very, very blessed and and be not feeling so happy. Uh, the martyrs, as they're as they're suffering their their ordeal, didn't didn't exactly feel happy, but they were blessed, and so we got to keep that in mind. But here are the ten things that you can do, according to nice news, according to science as well, uh, that will help you to be happy. But number one, set a regular exercise routine, and this this really does make sense because we are body and soul, right? And so when we move our bodies, when we exercise, it's been shown by science that it can ease our anxieties when you're really struggling with something. It's good just to get out and take a walk, you know, whether you're trying to work through a mental problem or just, you know, it's a great stress reliever just taking a walk. That's why it's good to have a dog. I, I've got two dogs and I, they need a walk and so do I. And it helps to to make sure that I get it done because uh, they, they're just kind of howling if I don't. Um, also, exercise increases life satisfaction. It can also boost serotonin levels. Now, what does serotonin do for you? It helps to combat negative feelings. If you can go for a walk at lunchtime, the latest research says that if you, if you take a walk after times, it's really, really good for you. Not only in helping your body kind of process after a meal, but just to kind of keep your weight down. Walking after a meal is a good, good thing. But uh, So if you can take a walk at lunchtime, if, you, if you're in an office building, just, just getting up, just not sitting in a chair all day is really important. It can help improve your enthusiasm. It can help you relax more. Uh, you're not as jittery. And th- there was another piece of research that the, this article kind of linked to. It talked about walkable cities. We hear a lot about this, urban planning. People want to create walkable cities. And they found out that when, when a person swaps a long commute in a car, for a walk to work, this is what it, this is amazing. It says that their happiness increased as much as if they had fallen in love. Wow, that's amazing. So if you just start walking to work, and not all of us are within walking distance of work, but if you can just walk to work instead of driving, you'll be happier than when you fell in love. What? All right. Well, that that's those are good reasons. So why why not? There's really no downside to this to getting more exercise. We know that we need this. Number two things that you can do to be more happy, you can prioritize your sleep. Harvard Medical School says this, quote, poor or inadequate sleep can cause irritability and stress, but healthy sleep can enhance well-being. There's a study that was done back in 2018 that said uh, people who had quality sleep experienced a far greater satisfaction with life in general. Okay, so what is quality sleep? How much do I really need? Well, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says a minimum of seven hours of sleep for adults. And that's, that's kind of the number that I've heard. Um, eight is sort of the, the, the absolute golden standard. But, but some people don't, don't like eight. Some, some people think that eight's just a, a touch on the, on the too long end of things, and they don't feel so great. I uh, feel like they almost overslept it with, with even eight hours. But seven hours is, is, is really nice. So I think at least six would be ideal I know in the military and basic training, it's you're only getting six hours of sleep. That that's anything less than that, and you're you're going to have some some issues with sleep deprivation and, and its its after effects. And here's some other things you could do to try to make sure that you get that quality sleep because there are sleep cycles, right? REM sleep, of course, nothing to do with the band losing your religion. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. But remove electronic devices from your bedroom. That, that's one thing that uh, was something that I. I got I to gotta really get back on the horse here because I, I, like you, I'm assuming this has happened to you as well. Maybe not, but uh, I, I have to, in the home stretch of Lent, Father Rocky was on the show yesterday. We were talking about Lent, how we're in the fourth quarter. It's not too late. Uh, one of the things that I... Tried to do for in Lent as a mortification was not bring my phone into the bedroom. Well, I have broken that promise. I, I must confess. I've got to get back to it. Not that could help to improve your sleep. You're not surfing at night. You're not getting that blue light. You're just you not You're not reading crazy stuff on Twitter that might keep you up all night. Uh, not a good idea. So remove electronic devices. Try to wake up and go to sleep at the same time every day. That really helps. Even on weekends, there's a tendency to want to break the cycle on weekends. You might want to sleep in a little bit, but apparently that's not great for your overall sleep. Just just keep the same schedule and use the extra time to maybe, I don't know, read a book or exercise or hang out with your family, whatever. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. 9149 If you want to call in, we'll get your phone calls uh, in just a minute here. So these are the 10 things that you can do to improve your happiness right now. Number three, embrace family routines so if you uh, are married if you do have a family if you're part of an extended family things like family dinners regular outings with your family even just hanging out and having some reading time together you don't necessarily have to be doing something doing the same thing together like playing a board game or something although that's fine you could have what's called parallel play you could all be reading at the same time All of this stuff helps family bonding, and there was a study that came out in 2014 that said that family-centered routines are really great for children especially because it helps them if they're in a routine, they have higher social-emotional health, they have an increased sense of belonging and security, and and kids really need this. It helps families build resilience, and when you're more resilient, you're happier in general. So if you, if you get these routines going, even for adults, um, being in a routine can help to reduce stress because you're not thinking about what you need. To, that can sort of add an element of stress if you don't know what you're going to do that day. That's why it's a really good thing to try to have a schedule, try to maybe time block your time. Plan it out, have that routine, you know what you're going to do, it reduces stress, and it can help to um, also make sure that you get that rest in there and that downtime, you schedule you need it. You need, you need to take a rest. You need to stop resisting a rest, not just on the Sabbath, but, but every day as well. All right, number four, things you can do to get happy right now, very actionable stuff. You can build and maintain your friendships, your friendships. There, there's some research that's out there, believe it or not, that actually says that friends tend to be even more important than family bonds as you get older. And you know, obviously when you're when you're a teenager, you probably had this experience growing up. I know I did, maybe you've seen this in your kids, that as your kids kind of enter a certain phase of independence, you, you, you tend to want to search for friendships outside of the family, and they, they become sort of your primary reference point, at least for, for a little while. Well, if you do have good family relationships, good friend relationships, that is linked with having better overall health and happiness. But it's it's interesting that researchers found that as people got older, that the the family bonds weren't as important to their happiness as the strong friendships were. That's that's an intriguing little wrinkle. So how many friends do you need? Well, I mean, <laughs> we should have a lot of friends, I think, and we don't necessarily have to or are able to have super deep relationships with, with all these people, but we should try to uh, be friends with a lot of people and try to share the, the love of Christ with them. But There was an interview that was done on CNBC with a guy who uh, was an author by the name of Eric Barker. Uh, He wrote a book called Plays Well with Others. And I haven't read that book, so I can't really comment on whether it's a good one or not. But he says that if you have five or more close friends, five or more, you feel 60% happier than those without the same number. So um, I don't know what if those statistics are legit. If you have five or more friends, you're 60% happier than people who have less than five friends. They always say that 95% of all statistics are made up. That's what Father Rocky told me. So uh, (laughs) maybe that one was too. I don't know. But um, and and for people, there's there's sort of a debate about whether or not how deep you should get into friendships at work. Um, And we could talk about that another time, but. Apparently, studies show that people who view their manager, their work manager, as a close friend are more than twice as likely to enjoy their job. Well, that seems to make sense. If you're friends with your boss or your manager, that would seem to, that can have a downside too, I guess. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 9149 The fifth thing that you can do to increase your happiness right now, today, without delay and anybody can do it at any time, it's share kindness. Now, we hear a lot about random acts of kindness, you know, paying for the person behind you in the drive through lineup, that sort of thing. But kindness can actually change your brain. It can actually change the, the way that your brain functions. The Mayo Clinic, the famous Mayo Clinic, says that when you're kind, it boosts, again, your serotonin levels. And not only that, but also your dopamine. These are neurotransmitters that, that really help you to feel, number one, satisfaction with life and also kind of natural hits of, of, of pleasure. It, it's good to, it's like get, getting sunlight in the morning. That's also really good for you. It, it boosts dopamine levels. It helps you feel naturally good. Other research shows that when you engage in these acts of kindness, that can be linked to reducing anxiety and depression. So one of, one of the things we try to do in Lent is not only mortifications but also almsgiving also and that can that can work in in many different ways not just giving to worthy organizations like our local parish or a worthy cause like relevant radio or there there's the almsgiving of time there, there's helping those in need there, there's so many things that we can do that can help us along that front and there's a, a one study that showed that even if you just perform acts of kindness for one week, you say, I'm only going to be nice for one week. That's it. And I'm going to go back to the old me. Well, you might change. You might want to keep going with it. Because if you perform acts of kindness for just one week, it creates, it creates a boost in happiness. So we've got about you know a little over a week until we get to the, to the tritium, uh, that most sacred season in the church. So why not for this last week of Lent, why not try to be kind just for one week? And see what happens. So when you're tempted to be, you know, maybe sarcastic or a bit of a curmudgeon, just say, no, 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 I'm going to be kind just for this week. And then I'm done. And you might actually just want to keep going. How about that? Well, you're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We've got more. We've got five more ways that you can be happy right now, today. Increase your happiness. These are science-based research effects. And you can do it right now. And you can also do this right now. Call in, 888 We'll be right back on Relevant Radio. Helping you keep your mind off traffic and on
1: the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio.
0: Hey, welcome back to the program. 888 914 9149 is the number to call toll free. If you want to get in on the conversation, now's a great time to do it. 888 914 9149. I see you there, Larry. I see you, Mary. I see a Harry, I see a Barry. No, no, no. Harry and Barry aren't really there, but but Larry and Mary are on the line. We'll get to your calls as soon as possible. Uh, and a couple lines open for you if you want to call right now. It's a great time to get in, 888-914-9149. We're talking about some science-based ways that you can be happier right now, things you can do right now. They're actionable. They don't need a lot of planning. You can just say, I'm going to do it and start doing it and reap the rewards. And so these are science-based I'm adding a Catholic spin to some of these. Uh, Number six. Now, if you missed the the first five, catch the podcast after the show. It should be up a few minutes after the program. You can catch it on the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com. You can share it with a friend. Another thing you can do, this is number six on the list, practice mindfulness through meditation. This is what the, the article says. Now, we talk about meditation, um I would say obviously the Catholic spin on this was we want to turn meditation into prayerful meditation. We want to pray, we don't want to just meditate, empty our minds, as in Eastern mysticism and say, oh. we we want to say, "Oh, you know we, we we want to chew on the faith and say wow this this is incredible stuff." so we we're actually thinking about something when we we're practicing Christian prayer and meditation we are thinking about. The word of God. We are processing it. We're turning it over in our mind. and That's really what Mary did. We we talked earlier about the Annunciation scene. She was kind of pondering all these things in her heart. That's what scripture says all the time, and that's what we got to do as well. But in, in terms of being mindful, in terms of being mindful, I think this is something that we can really pick up on. Psychology Today magazine says this, quote, monitoring your ongoing experience may make you feel happier by helping you slow down to appreciate things or to notice more of the happy things that are going on around you. You may begin to pay more attention to the trees, to the flowers, enjoy the feel of the sun on your skin or bask in the warmth of your spouse's loving gaze or, 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 or you know, looking at the face of your child or something like that. So. I think this is really important because we we live in a world where there's a lot of bad news that's being foisted upon us and most of and, and there are some no doubt there are terrible things happening in the world all the time both at home and abroad we talked about this yesterday I don't think we need to uh, to say much more about that and obviously the news cycle kind of thrives on angst on anger on 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 pain and we sometimes miss really the nice news. And there there are, there are good things happening all the time. There are good things that, that God is doing in the world. And so just slowing down and taking notice of that is really, really important, whether it is something as uh, simple as a flower or the fact that you woke up this morning. So many things to be thankful and grateful for. And I'm going to get into that more in, in just a second. But this is really what we have to think about more in terms of the The value of the present moment, finding God in the moment, in the present moment. And on Relevant Radio, we're always talking about being alive and in the moment. Well, you know who is alive and in the moment? God. God is always discoverable in everything. And this is what we have to do. We have to see God in things where sometimes it's hard to see him. And and that takes practice. That takes a lifetime of practice. But the present moment, that's all we've got. That's the only thing we can sanctify. It's the only thing we can offer to God. We have to leave the past to his mercy, the future to his providence. If you're excessively worried about the future, it's because you haven't got there yet. You don't have the graces that you need for those future decisions that haven't come yet. So focus on the present, that he's with you. And just go into the next moment, the next moment, the next moment. and, And take that next step along with our Lord. All right, so number seven on this list of things that you can do to be happier right now. You can know and use your strengths. This is an interesting thing because, um, again, we're often told to work on our weaknesses. And uh, playing basketball growing up and playing college basketball, um, one one of my weaknesses was uh, terrible with my left hand. You know, try to shoot layup with my left hand. It's it's awful. And I should have practiced that more. I should have been a better ball handler. I should have worked on my dribbling. I, I love to shoot three-pointers, and it's it's always fun to chuck up shots. But really, I should have been working on some fundamentals. They always say that's that's what made Michael Jordan so great. Everything kind of stemmed from his ball handling. So working on your weaknesses and turning them into strengths, we hear a lot about that. But what about focusing on your strengths? Sometimes it's good to focus on stuff that you're really, really good at, especially in in, in, in the working world. And this could be another topic for another show and just doubling down on your strengths rather than trying to be sort of average at everything, be great at one or two things. That's kind of interesting, but we all have strengths. We all have gifts that we've been given and we can leverage those things. We can, um, this can make us happy as well. Just, just being proficient at something. Um, and and it's not just skills either. It's not just, you know, can I speak three different languages? Um, I, I can speak three languages. I, I, I can speak English, French, and profanity. Oh, I'm only kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. We don't want to do the third one. Uh, but you, you can say, well, I can do this, or I can do that. But what about your qualities? Kindness, for example. I, I could be really good. I'm really strong at being a kind person. You can work on that. Anybody can do that. Anybody can work on praying more, uh, hoping more, faith, hope, and love, really like trying to excel in those theological virtues. and. And I remember hearing about, um, this is a great way to, to look at your strengths as well, this, this acronym that was coined by uh, the famous author Rick Warren. Um, he's not a Catholic, but uh, he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life some years ago. You might remember this. And he had this acronym called SHAPE. And uh, this is what it stands for. The S stands for spiritual gifts. We all have them. And, and the Bible even talks about the gift of hospitality. That's a gift. Uh, H stands for your heart or what you're passionate about. Uh, the A in shape stands for your abilities, your natural abilities, uh, things that you're good at. A good work worker, a good woodworker works with the grain, not against the grain. Uh, the P stands for personality, and the E stands for life experiences because God never wastes an experience for good or for ill. Even if you, for example, suffered an addiction, you can help somebody else who's going through that even though it was a terrible experience for you. So you're shaped for significance. That's what he used to say. And so I think this is one way that we can use our strengths. We'll Get your phone calls in just a second, 888-914-9149. Just really, really quickly, the last couple of things. Number eight, express gratitude. Harvard Health says giving thanks can actually make you happier. They did a study in 2021, and people who wrote a gratitude list, things that they were thankful for, were much, much happier than another group who wrote about daily irritations. (laughs) and That seems to stand to reason, right? Uh, Things that you're thankful for should make you happier. Uh, If you write a thank you note to someone, if you keep a gratitude journal, that's going to make you feel much, much better and much, much happier. And they say that if you write a letter of gratitude to someone for kindness or a thank you note, it actually can produce benefits that can last for an entire month that's not bad so a lot of it, it, it's long lasting number nine smile which seems trite but just uh, they always say it takes more more muscles to frown than it does to smile but j- just smiling science shows that in so many ways the soul follows the body the spirit follows the body you can actually trick yourself in, in a way into feeling better simply by smiling because when you smile this is a physical effect. Dopamine and serotonin, our old friends, are released in the brain, and that can boost your mood. So fake it till you make it. It's true. And, and that's a good interior mortification as well. St. Jose Maria used to talk about this. Hey, that smile for that person who really annoys you on a human level, you know, God loves them, even though maybe you're not so. But if you smile at them, it does a couple things for you. It's, it's a good mortification. Number two, it'll actually make you feel better. And then the last thing, number 10, is set goals set achievable goals for yourself just setting goals for yourself actually has been shown to increase happiness levels it's true the university of basel in switzerland showed that psychological well-being improves when you have goals that seem attainable to you even if you don't hit the goals even if you don't make the the markers just 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 having the goals can make you ha- happier even if you if you, even if you don't quite achieve them all and I think that's a really good thing. And, and uh, obviously, opening day baseball season is tomorrow. Uh, my, uh, I hate to inform producer Jim that my, uh, my, my Toronto Blue Jays are getting ready to sweep his uh, St. Louis Cardinals in the opening uh, series starting eh, tomorrow wrong. in St. Louis. <laughs> the Battle of the Birds. We'll see what happens. But uh, everyone's happy to see baseball again. It's a sign of spring. But Shohei Otani, uh, when he struck out Mike Trout to win the World Baseball Classic for Japan, what a showdown. Unbelievable. Best on best. Uh, in the news, uh, you might have seen articles about this. He had all these life goals, and he's he's 27 years old right now. But the the life goal for age 27 was like win the world championship of baseball, and, and uh, something is like, it's, like he, it's amazing how many of his goals he achieved. He didn't knock out all of his goals, but he made these as a very young man, and a lot of them have come true. So just the process of goal setting, have goals for your spiritual life. Uh, where do you want to be in, in a few months? Where do you want to be after Lent? I don't know. It's a good thing to do. Let's go to the phones right now. Triple eight nine one four nine one. Four nine. Let's go to Larry in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, Larry.
1: Kale. Hi. Great show. Thank um, you, sir. you, know, we certainly know what Christianity expects from us, and the question would be, what should we expect from Christianity? So it would beg the question: Should religion make us happy?
0: Hmm. Hmm. What do you think? What do you think, Larry?
1: Well, I, I'm asking you. Uh, you're well, the host. You're the expert.
0: Yeah, I have that, my
1: own opinions on that. Uh, but I've, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to put you yeah, on yeah, the Yeah, spot, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it, I, I, mean, I think it's a profound question on, on yep. one level. Other people would, would dismiss it. It yeah. For, for some reason.
0: Well, again, I, that's why I set off the top layer, and it's a great question. I, I should religion make us happy? I think there's a difference between being happy at a, at a physiological level, which is which is that's part of the package, right? Because we are body and soul, and you might say body, mind, and soul. But I think the mind's part of the soul. It's another talk for another day. But but um, you know, again, Saint Jose Maria used to say, "Well, there's the happiness of a contented animal," right? They're well fed, they got something to eat, they got a place to sleep. Eh, Life is good, the sun is shining. Okay, we can have times in our lives where physically things are going well, but we're made for much more. We're made for supernatural blessedness, beatitude. And and that goes beyond mere physical happiness. And so it didn't feel good when Jesus was carrying the cross, you know, and was tearing into his back. It didn't feel good, but but he was still doing the will of God. And and so We've always got to keep that in mind. It's not always just happiness on a human level. There's supernatural, uh, blessedness, and that's really what we're shooting for. So, But 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 there's also this. Jesus said, if anyone wants to know whether or not I came from God, let that person do my teaching. He says this in John's Gospel. Let him do my teaching, let her do my teaching, and then you'll know whether or not the teaching comes from God. So, Because it's reality. If Jesus is really God, if he's really the Lord then his teachings are in accord with the way things really are. And when we practice them in our own life, we see this play out in our relationships, and uh, the benefits are there. And, and we'll know, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's essentially what Jesus is telling us. So why not try it? What have you got to lose? Let's go now to—oh, did uh, we had someone drop here? Okay, let's go to Scott in Santa Clarita, California. Hi, Scott.
1: Yeah, hi, Cal. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, real quick, uh, just bear with me on this. You you mentioned how Mm -hmm. in uh, Eastern meditation practices that uh, they just clear their mind and maybe do a chant or something of that nature, Mm -hmm. where in Christian meditation it's more of uh, uh, contemplating things, like contemplative prayer, which I understand Mm -hmm. like Teresa of Avila and and other people have done. And uh, I just wanted to mention... Uh, Father Ethan Southerd, a really great priest, he's uh, my spiritual director. Uh, he's he's actually had me unlearn all of that kind of stuff because, hmm. you know, what it is 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 learning how to clear our minds and to listen to actually listen to God's to God's stillness, to listen to hmm. God's voice, and to kind of remove our kind of understanding and and all the clutter we have and all the Kind of predetermined notions and understandings we have of God. I'm not saying not to understand doctrine and dogma and all that stuff. I love all that stuff. I'm I'm an apologist for my faith, but uh, small a. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but just uh, I, I really do. Uh, I I, uh, I appreciate the idea of being totally and completely clear in the mind, absolutely 100 percent clear in the mind, and. It can be a very beautiful, beautiful thing to allow God to work in us and through us in a very, very beautiful way that we may not otherwise know. Uh, Just one more thing. Sure. We we, we do a lot of rote prayer. We're always reading things. We're always looking at books and reading things. And there's nothing wrong with that because, first of all, it's usually orthodox and it's beautiful. And we know that when we're reciting it, we're saying really good orthodox things that point point to God, which is awesome and wonderful. But there is also a time within ourselves to just be quiet and mm. just not think and just allow God to work in us and through us and allow the Spirit to work through us in a beautiful, beautiful way. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Well, Scott, just, just hang on the line here for a second. Did you know, by the way, so your spiritual director is Father Ethan Southard. Did you know that he's a regular on The Inner Life right here on Relevant Radio?
1: Yes, I do. That's why I, I mentioned him. He's a very, very dear— <laughs> Very dear friend of mine, if he's listening, I'm sure he's smiling right now.
0: Oh. I was just at
1: a gathering. I was just at a gathering with him the other night for a party of a mutual friend of ours, a birthday party.
0: Well, so. you know, I I think what you're saying by the way, Scott, is really intriguing because this idea of listening to that still small voice of God, that that is um that's a really hard thing for most of us to do because we live in a hyper-connected environment, and we're always on the go. There's a million things going through our mind, and just being able to to stop and listen for the voice of God is, is really, really difficult for most people, and that's why I think it's essential for people to try, if they can, to try to do an annual retreat, if possible. I think once a year is a good thing to shoot for, because we, we need that time alone with him, and so that once we get kind of in that mode, we can hopefully take that back with us when we go out into the world. And that's also true of our, our daily prayer as well. And it's true that we do a lot of, especially in, in the Catholic tradition, there's a great tradition of theology and Scripture, and we do tend to, you know, a lot of people do a lot of reading in the church, and that's good too. And, and Scott, I remember once... Um, Sort of reading this little piece, which I found really intriguing that that there are different ways that that we can connect with God we can connect with God at, at any time anywhere and we can connect with him obviously through the liturgy through scripture you know intellectually spiritual reading and and we we will always have a tendency to we, whatever our thing is if if you're a reader if you're if you're living the intellectual life that's going to be your thing it's always going to be your primary way of maybe connecting with God but there are other ways we have to try to use those ways as well, whether it's through the liturgy, uh, whether it's connecting with God through creation and and just seeing his presence in, in nature and in relationships with people. Uh that's another thing too. And um just a lot of pathways that we can we can meet with God in the world and, and um it's good to try to try to do that at all times, but there will always be, because of our, our gifts, our tendencies, kind of the way we are, there are things that we'll be naturally drawn to, ways of connecting with him and and uh i don't know i just i think it's all good it's all good but yeah that time of silence and listening is super super important and, and i thank you scott for, for calling in i really appreciate that as you're listening in santa clarita california wow i wow what a quick hour these hours always go so quickly on the kale clark show on relevant radio hey if you missed any of today's show Uh, Don't forget, go to RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app. Check the podcast, download it, share it with a friend. Keep it locked to Relevant Radio. I'll see you tomorrow on the Faith Explained, 1230 Central, and tomorrow, 5 p.m. Central, right here on the K. L. Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Aylock took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela.
1: Thank you for listening to my daddy.